Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I'm the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today's guest is the author of The Price of Tomorrow, Why Deflation is the Key to an Abundant Future. And that's by Jeff Booth, a uh, entrepreneur based out of uh, Canada who's run several businesses, still founding businesses, sitting on many, many boards, and has um, real in-depth knowledge around you know what technology is going to do for our future over the next 10 years. And he has firm belief that prices are going to come down, not up. So he's uh, written a book about deflation rather than inflation. And he's making waves, of course, in the Bitcoin uh, community because we understand about deflation, uh, deflationary asset that Bitcoin is. And uh, he was uh, very, very kind uh, to give up some time and to, uh, to come on the show and to talk about his book, which I 100% recommend you go and pick up and get a copy of. Uh, before we get into the interview, I just want to give a, a quick shout out to uh, Real Vision. $1 unlocks uh, 30 days of their content. And also, there's been a lot of talk recently about how can we educate more people around getting into Bitcoin at grassroots level. I think coinfloor.co.uk are doing that in a brilliant way. They've got an auto buy service uh, where you can dollar cost average or in the UK, pound cost average from as little as, you know, choose how much you want to put in a week and just start your journey. It's a really easy way to do it and to start learning about Bitcoin and getting some skin in the game. And one last um, thing I want to point you towards is uh, hgsummit.com. I am a part of this team again. We're putting together a huge online summit, which is going to include key speakers such as Sir Ken Robinson, who's coming back this year. Hopefully, we've, we've pretty much um, got him down. To, um, to rejoin us again and talk about the future of education. Uh, we're going to be interviewing people about um, homeschooling, world schooling, um, ed tech, what companies are being built, what can we expect going forward. Are we going to go to remote teaching, remote learning, which is really exciting. Um, we are going to run that uh, summit from middle of June. But if you head over to hgsummit.com, you will find a link to 2019 where all of our uh, guest speakers interviews are now for free go check them out let's get on with today's show thank you for listening i hope you enjoy it welcome to today's show we have uh, jeff booth with us today the author of the price of tomorrow why deflation is the key to an abundant future jeff thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today great thanks for having me daniel and as usual and lauren yes <laughs> And as usual, Lauren is here to ask her um, insightful question, as always. Lauren, do you want to go ahead? Um, how do you know if the prices are going to go down in the future? Uh, because technology makes things more efficient. That, that was a short one, because normally all of them are like very long. Like. <laughs> see, Jeff's, Jeff's used to answering small children, you see. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So do, do you understand, though, that, that, that technology... So the technology... What, is, what did he say after technology? What, sorry? It makes things more efficient. 
So if you look at your phone and, and everything that you get in your phone for really low cost, um, you can see the impact of technology. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Sounds like a good future for you guys. Yeah. Huh? yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Bye. See you. Have a great future interview. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, Jeff. Um, very, uh, yeah, very, a, a good way to put it because it's very, I think, um, well, since you've written the book, how many people have come knocking at your door? Like, you know, what do you mean? Prices are going down. This is crazy. Yeah. So when, when you, when you write something like this, uh, uh you know, you're going up against an entire economic establish, uh, establishment and everything we've been taught for years. Um, um, and it flies in the face of what seems to be happening today with house prices going up and a whole bunch of goods and services going up in price. Um, so, so uh, in fact, that's why I wrote the book, right? Because it, it was illogical that that was happening with what was happening with technology, and I and I wanted to understand it better. Um, for it's interesting that you had your daughter on on the show. I wrote the book for my kids, right? I wrote the book for uh, the the future that they would grow up in um, if we didn't face the face facts. Yeah, precisely why I started this podcast um, to to try and help um, well more people understand about Bitcoin, but ge- definitely for um, you know the future generations coming around us. Have you been a little bit surprised by like the the Bitcoin community reaching out to you? I know you've done a few other podcasts. Or was that something you were expecting? No, it, it wasn't. It's been ama- it's been amazing, um, and and the Bitcoin community is uh, it has everybody in it. I a hundred percent believe in Bitcoin. I believe that that's where it's going. But it, it, this is this. I actually don't want that to happen because if that happens, it means our system has so failed us, and the and and the and and the staggering. Uh, I, do I suspect it's going to happen? Yes. Is a is a high probability that it's going to happen, but a disorderly unwind would hurt people more. So, having having a ton of money when no one else has any money um, is not a is not a good thing for society either. And so, while I believe in Bitcoin and I believe that, and I am hopeful that governments can peg to it earlier to be able to provide an orderly transition there, um, I'm fearful that they don't. And it's a disorderly transition. And this is definitely something that it does get touched on within the Bitcoin community, but not enough, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I think it's just when this is natural. I talk about this a lot in the book, right? The the um, when you have a different view of the world, right? The um, and other people don't see it. It's really easy to to belittle or create create groups of people that kind of call names to the other groups of people. And, and, and every business goes through transition exactly the same. That's what creative destruction that drives business. Somebody has a thesis on what it used to be. Somebody, an entrepreneur has a thesis of where it's going. And if the entrepreneur is right, they win massive over time. First, they're ridiculed the entire time. And then as, as, as the future starts to unfold, People race to it, and 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 how right they they were. This is no different. Like the book is no different, right? The the Bitcoin is no different. It, it's it's there's a bunch of people betting on uh, on a direction of a new future um, that is 
the 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 system we're in is so obviously failing but but it's but for people in that system that grew up in that system their whole lives they can't see it no and you touch on this in the book it's very hard for people to start thinking differently yeah it's it's it, we think it we think it's everybody else but it's us too uh, we we read uh, it, we read things that reinforce our opinions, right? We uh, the algorithms. It's not a bug; it's a feature. If you if you uh, a, a, a Google search, or it's a feature of the algorithms to actually reduce the amount of time that you're spending searching, right? To uh, and and so so we see more and more of things that we agree with because we click on those things and then the algorithm says we won't click on these other things. And so you drive into these filter bubbles without realizing. And when you pop your head up to look at what somebody else, you're so ingrained in your thought that you can't even take, uh, uh, take what they're saying at face value. There might be some value in what they're saying, but but we end up all of us, we end up with a really hard, it's, it's, it's hard to change people's minds. It really is. And it's something we've got to be very careful of in the Bitcoin community to make sure that we, you know, we, we don't fall into this trap um, and try and find um, alternative views and, and listen. I mean, it's very difficult, though, when um, altcoins, for example, or, um, you know, you've got the, the gold bugs drumming their, their, their drums harder than ever before. Um, where should we be looking? Where can you put the Bitcoin community? Where can you point us? What do we? Be- I, I think the Bitcoin community is largely in the right area. I think uh, what I would say is is I would I, I would be careful um, of of making other people's opinions look small, and I would take the I take the argument to a to a higher level first principles, right? Um, so so it's illogical to me that somebody no. Gold might still perform really well, right? But it's, it's illogical to me that, and this is why for a first principles discussion, right? Is gold value, the reason why gold is valued is so high is the same potential reason why Bitcoin will be valued so high, right? And gold is valued at, what is it, an $8 trillion market cap of, uh, of, of gold and, and going higher likely because of monetary stimulus. And, and is it is it valued because that high because of jewelry? I think not. Right. The only reason it's valued that high is it was once tied to money. And and so if you believe that it'll be tied to money again, then it should be valued that high. If you don't, if something else might be valued to to money in the future, then it sh- then it probably shouldn't be valued that high uh, high. And. And that's a first principle discussion, right? It could be valued higher, but 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 what are and, and I, I just look at risk reward asymmetric bets at a hundred and twenty billion dollar market cap on on Bitcoin versus an eight trillion dollar market cap, and, and Bitcoin works on a network effect that the more people use it, the stronger it, uh, the, the stronger it gets. Um, I suspect that if governments are going to peg to a currency in the future, peg to something a hard asset in the future. It's going to be something like Bitcoin. So, I just think that that's a better argument. Um, there's actually, and there's a lot of really great people in the Bitcoin community that are that are talking about that that argument. But I think that's a, a, a better argument than calling people names in the gold community because because the, they're right too. Like a, actually, a lot of the fundamental principles on why gold had value, why Bitcoin had value, are the same. 
Yeah, and we're all in the same camp that fiat is, you know, not the way forward. Or and can they save fiat? What, what in in your opinion, what, what what needs to be done? So these are, you know, because because you went through the book, but uh, the, the, these are where we are right now with as much debt as in the world, right? Before COVID, we had $250 trillion of global debt if you don't count the unfunded liabilities. If you accounted unfunded liabilities and pension plans and everything else, it would be way higher than that against an $80 trillion world, world economy. So if you allow deflation, right? So by the way, that's before COVID. Now, and this is predictable because of technology, right? So that number explodes higher in debt well, the economy contracts at the same time. So you have something that is so far past any reasonable um, number or like a debt that could ever be repaid already. Now, again, from a first principle, now let deflation happen. Right? If you allow deflation to happen with that scenario, then, then banks can never pay back. Loans can't be paid back because the real cost of debt explodes because people make less and less and prices fall everywhere. So the real cost of the debt explodes. And what governments are trying to stop at all costs is that from happening, right? Because if, if, if and it's, it, subprime is a good example in 2008, what they missed is how interconnected the system is. It's just a pyramid, and if one part fails and it's interconnected and that those people are interconnected to, to pension plans over here and over here, the entire system goes down. And instead of flushing the system like capitalism calls for in 2008 and resetting it, we made the problem exponentially bigger by adding more debt and papering over. And, and that's why Bitcoin emerged in 2008, because of that, uh, because, because it... Uh, it, it, it break that what happened there breaks everything that that we relied on for generation of wealth. It breaks all all um, ties to how do you value assets properly in a world that uh, that that um, what is where is the risk? Like it's just impossible. Everything's a, everything everything is a stimulus game, and it's wiping out bets that should have been made whole and, and enriching others. Um, and, and so it's just breaking society. So that's why Bitcoin emerged, emerged out of 2008, right? And, and the problem is just that much bigger right now. But if you're a policymaker, what do you do? Right? How do you, how do you transition to something that you know breaks your entire other system? It's like, how does, uh, how does Sears um, transition to, to Amazon? Most, how does Kodak tra transition to Instagram? Most don't. They die, right? They, they protect, they protect, they protect their status quo, and they fail to see the, 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 uh, the impen impending doom. So if you take a business lens on what's, uh, on what's happening, it's easy to see. It's not bad policymakers. It's not well, some of them are bad. Some of them are really good people. It's they're trapped in an existing system that they can't see their way out. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'd written something down from your book um, directly related to this and um, something along the lines of what companies, um, uh, excuse me, I can't even read my own writing. Um, <laughs> 
Yes, here we go. Every company designed to succeed in the 20th century will fail in the 21st century. And I think that's exactly what you were just trying to um, expand on a little yeah, bit. So you, you design for a different, you design for different winning. Digital things in nature allow you to, to drop the price to, uh, to effectively nothing um, and, or pennies and infinitely spread distribution. Right. So, so think about zoom right now, right? We're, we're, we're on right now. Um, and it's only one of all the video uh, systems, but, um, it just went from 10 million users to 300 million users in a month and a half. And a lot of FUD as well, <laughs> a lot of bad press. By the way, I know the, I know the CEO and he is a fantastic human being. So yes, when you hit that type of growth that fast, things break. You want a really good person who cares about things. He's a really great, uh, great person. The, um, but think about that impact kind of on a second order trajectory and everything else. Does Zoom, does Zoom require hundreds of thousands of more jobs to do that work? They don't, right? What about the 290 million people, the, in, the incremental 290 million people um, not going to the office. It's not going to, when COVID ends, change 300 million users back to 10 million users. So 290 million users of office space or some number of uh, 100 million users, 150 million users of office space have to reduce commercial real estate prices. And, and, and if they reduce commercial real estate prices because they're not uh, going, you can let that collapse Right, and let that price collapse, and then there's a whole bunch of banks and people that are on top of that that have those loans that would also collapse, or you could support, or you could inject money to keep asset prices high, right? And if you inject money to keep asset prices high, you wipe out a whole bunch of people with savings that have to pay more for those asset prices, and then you have to spend more in debt to try to save the social safety nets to save those people that you hurt in the first place by arbitrarily making the asset prices higher. And so that's how interconnected this whole th thing is. And, and, and COVID just accelerates the trend to technology. And you wrote the book well before COVID, I'm assuming. I, right. So <laughs> when you're reading a bunch of the things and you're seeing them unfold in real time, uh, the, uh, um, they were written in 2018, 2019, uh, really 2019. And I remember a part of the book it says the, the conversations you've been having conversations these thoughts have been with you for like the last 10 years this whole deflationary argument yeah i, I can't see uh, i i sit on numerous boards i'm co-founder of numerous uh, technology companies and by the way all the technology companies are exploding in value right now. um mm -hmm. the uh, they're setting they're setting records the uh but when i see i have a front seat view of AI, robotics, uh, all of these, all of these trends, and if I project those forward, not in the business case, I'm really excited about some of the technology and the improvement that the technology can bring to society. Right? That efficiency gain, just like your phone and what you have in your phone, um, your, it's your camera now, it's your map now. It used to just be a phone. Now it's everything, and it's almost free. That efficiency gain is coming everywhere. And if you add up what, so, so for the companies that win some of the, some of that, they're going to create fantastic companies by enabling people to do more with less, right? 
that's what you that's what that's that's what these companies are are doing i'm wildly excited about that and scared if i sum that up across how many people are going to win and i roll that up to how our economic system works it can't work right we have a we have technology technological deflation exploding downward pressure on prices and we have central banks artificially trying to prop them up um it's like fighting gravity the central banks will not win no matter what that's going to be music to a lot of people's ears in the bitcoin world but it's even like even right now if you take the first order so central banks right now adding more and more debt more and more debt more and more debt more and more debt and then bailouts and everything else that's now maybe we get away away with it one more time and then and then everybody says there's going to be this hyperinflationary environment as is essentially currencies fail that's that's likely at some point going to happen as well, as well as currencies fail but even after that deflation is still the end game it cannot be stopped in fact the debt the debt alone if you just take the debt alone it's disinflationary in nature because if you forget the technology which is a way bigger force but but the debt alone if you assume you have to pay it back then you're borrowing tomorrow's dollars to to increase spending today and and then you have to increase taxes in uh, in the future to pay for today today and that increased taxes slows down growth so even just normally an increase of debt to this magnitude slows down growth it, it puts massive pressure on a system to grow you add what's happening to technology it's not going to grow and that and and that that explodes the real cost of debt and that's the real problem today that governments can't see and then we're going to have i mean we already have a divided society um, pretty much globally uh, this is just going to completely like, explode that that gap and and yes exactly because because, um, because you're wasting money and you're enriching some at the same time while you're impoverishing others. You're picking the pocket of savers. The, the entire system is designed to make cash less value. Right? What if instead of saying inflation, so let's just, I talk about this in the book, but deflation is when your val- the value of your money gets, it gets better, right? It goes high, higher, right? And goods and services go down in price against, uh, against that. Inflation is the opposite. Your value of the money gets lower. Goods and services get it more more expensive. Um, that that's just a fact. What I just said, right? We we tie emotion to that, and we say deflation is bad. That is not. It is not bad. <laughs> it is. It produces different winners. Right? Your savings. Uh, if you save money with deflation, you're a winner. If on inflation, if you own assets, you're a winner. It's just different winners, different different losers. It's not good or bad. And so, so today, um, well, we we create an incentive. We create an incentive program to punish savers, and then we wonder why why executives of companies don't save cash. Like, is that why would you if you know that the money in the, the, the that you're trying to save in cash is being eroded away? Um, so, so the entire incentive structure is designed to make cash worthless. 
right? And if you if you actually said that instead of using inflation, which and people don't understand the difference between inflation and deflation, instead of using kind of a whole bunch of jargon around uh, around economic policy and everything else, if you just said instead of using inflation, we're going to say that the central banks are going to say this: we have a stated goal to make your cash worth less. Right? <laughs> Would people rise up and go, "What the hell"? But those are the questions that I don't think people look deeper and understand, and um, and I and, and partly why I wrote the book. I just got frustrated by talking about this and talking about this, talking about this, and finally I uh, said I need to do something about it. Right, and a brilliant book it is as well. Um, I think it's going to. Um, there's already so many people um, talking about it, and I saw your uh, interview on Real Vision as well. So, you know, it's um, really ruffling some feathers. I want to ask you about your concerns around um, the bailouts that are have either already happened or are inevitably going to happen. You've run businesses. Um, you talk about it in your book. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts around that and what should we be doing? Well, I think you know my thoughts, right? <laughs> Um, it breaks capitalism. It's just it it, um, it, it socializes uh, um, it, it's, it's socialism for the wealthy, right? And so if you have a loan that's too big, um, and you can make a case that other people are going to be unemployed by your loan, then uh, be, because your loan fails, um, you get bailed out by the government, and and that warps capitalism, and it and and essentially hail it heads you in, tails you in. Right, and um, and if you don't uh, if you don't have a free market referee, right, you'll distort uh, you'll distort capitalism. So uh, um, here's an interesting thing, and uh, I'll use, which one will I use? Uh, I'll, I'll use the shale oil in, in the U.S. Right, the, uh, as an example, at negative thirty seven dollar oil, um, all of those companies and all the loans against those companies. It's already dead, right? It's it's completely. No investor would today go in and invest more money in that. So, so, but the oil still stays in the ground, right? By wiping out the shareholders and wiping out the debt, it doesn't disintegrate the oil that's in the ground. New entrepreneurs would come in and create if if oil ever came back in price. New entrepreneurs would come in and create great businesses there. So by by stopping that from happening, you're stopping the capital. You're stopping the, the process, and and you're manipulating. Uh, you're manipulating wealth. You're giving. You're you're taking. You're you're taking money from middle class and poor and giving it to uh, to the wealthy in a form of a bailout, and it, and it warps capitalism. So, but the same thing could be said for the airlines. Planes are still there, right? <laughs> The, uh, the the shareholders, the every the executives, they should be wiped out, and then and, and then restarted with here you go, um, and and a bidding war would would ensue for those assets. Absolutely, and Boeing, perfect example. Um, All of them across society, across society, because the bailouts now now you're arbitrarily picking who's winning and and, and who's losing, and no wonder, and then and to pay them. Taxes have to go up immensely, right, to be able to pay that, and that's a cost to society. 
no wonder there's there, there no wonder you have a divided society but but i would say that divide right now you have people on both uh, both socialists capitalists on both sides screaming at each other both missing the fundamental point both screaming at each other on what we should do to protect the existing system right and the existing system is the problem it can't it can't work um by 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 propping up asset prices and then producing ubi to pay for the people that uh that you propped up you hurt by propping up asset prices in the first place it's insanity and they, I mean, they get away with the narrative that we're doing it for your own good, right? And this is what people still believe. Well, so I would say uh, you're, you have to time bound what you just said. Because savings have been eroded, right? Because people haven't had, had, had savings. There's a lot of people that, um, because of the way that the system works, that are two weeks away from not being able to eat. And in a lot of places in the world, there's a, no safety net to support that. So when you don't do something for those people um, quickly, so th- their own good, those people will believe, oh, I could eat, right? I got a $1,200 check from the government. Um, they saved me um, without realizing that, uh, that they're getting killed by the, by, because it's a, it's a structural problem. And this brings us to uh, UBI, which you mentioned in your book, and um would you like to explain some of your thoughts around um, the dangers around that? And you're on. Yeah. And, and so, and, and again, you know, this from the book and I would encourage people to read the book because in a, in a podcast, you can go only go this deep on some of these things, right? The, um, and, and, and there's more explanation in the, in the book, but if, if you, if you use UBI as an example and you said, so first you have to say, why is UBI needed right now? Um, and it's needed because we're propping up asset prices uncontrollably, right? So a lot of the people that are fit, so you, so you're enriching some and impoverishing others, and wasting a whole bunch of money to do it. And then you're saying the people that we've impoverished, impoverished, let's take a little bit of money and give them some money so they can live. And you keep on going on your merry way, right? Um, and and while you do that, there's you create divide in society. Because the bunch of the people that you have to tax more, that you created the wealth in the first place, right? Because you, because you gamed the system. And then they think you're picking their pocket through higher taxes to pay for the people on the other side of the line that, that were impoverished. And, and now somebody on the other side of the line, somebody on the lower middle class says, I think there's more job opportunities in New York. I want to rent a place in New York. And cost of living is higher in New York. Do you pay that person more if they're actually looking for a job but they can't get a job than um, than somebody uh, somebody in another part in a region in the uh, of the U.S. So it, then it creates all of this. Okay, I need you're going to get less, and, and so you're just baking in divide um, into 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 society um, because you've warped it in the first place. You might need something like UBI or some some version. Uh, you I, you do need a social safety net to 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 kind of cross a chasm <laughs> to where we're going. Um, but I and UBI might be uh, might be one of those things as a as a step to be able to get uh, to get there. But you have to realize that UBI will increase taxes a lot, and that's going to be uh, that's going to be fought. Um, by the people that are uh, 
uh, and they're going to say, um, you're going to slow down the rate of growth of my business and hurt employment if you if you increase taxes, which is actually true too. And what about what we've seen with um, in the UK um, Brexit and in the US Trump? Because this is another subject. There's so much to talk about in your book, there, but this is another subject that you touch on, and um, these these polarizing of. And I try not to do it in in in. in I don't know if I uh, I do a great job all the time. I get trapped into it as well. But but again, from first principles, in two thousand eight, um, if uh, if capitalism was allowed to take its course, Trump not wouldn't wouldn't be elected because he would have been bankrupt, right? So so all of the commercial real estate that he owns and all the real estate would have collapsed in value without that, that the, those gifts. All of the loans on, on all of that would have collapsed and and we would have entered a depression in 2008. That's what would have happened without crazy monetary st- stimulus. And that depression, so the same person that, that talks about how smart they are, how, how wealthy they are, how much they make money, it was, it was a coin flip that created that wealth that stole that wealth from a whole bunch of other people. And, and so, so that's a first principle. Right, that is a fact. Everything I just uh, just said that, and then you get into an election cycle where um, where he's elected as a result of of wow, a business person that really understands what's going on can save this economy, right? And 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 so it's it, it, it's just it, it's I, I scratch my head, um, but but it's but it's easy to see, and if you look to history. You see this. You see this throughout throughout history. Um, the Weimar Republic and printing and 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 hyperinflation in Germany created Hitler, right? Not the other way around. So, uh, and and I'm not comparing those two two uh, two events right now, but leaders who divide when people are feeling weak or feeling feeling at risk. Leaders to who who divide and say it's not your fault, it's those people's fault. Um, do really well, and 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 that's a huge risk to society. That's the in fact that's the greatest risk to society. That's what's happening, and it's happening all over the world because there's a whole bunch of people feeling anxious and something's not right with what's ha- with what how our economic systems are designed. And now on top of that, we have this COVID pandemic, and it's this this perfect blend of fear that suddenly it's almost a gift from the gods of governments to, to be able to, to play on this and further divide societies. So I don't know if they know they're doing it either. Right. I don't, some, some do, but I, I don't know if they know just like we started this when we talked about Bitcoin. I don't know if you take a side on something, you read your own narrative and you stop looking at, uh, and you stop looking at other things that could make you smarter. Right. And and so 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 some of the politicians believe they're right. Right. Believe it's not their fault. Believe it's all of this. Believe in a in kind of a fairy tale narrative. And it is it is those other people's fault or they've read it so many times and they hear and they surround themselves with the same people that they uh, um, short term, by the way, short term um, dividing works. It, it um, and it works just from a simple uh, 
in a podcast, you don't normally get into this, but I will get it. Um, we are all, the thing we want most, all of us, all human beings, so kind of the higher thing in all of us, we want love, right? Um, and, and, and on the path to that, belonging, love, and everything else, some people get their belonging through, um, through, through being a victim, right? And what happens when that victim, if you looked on Facebook and somebody's a victim, they're not doing it to be a victim. They're doing it to get a response of you matter. And when when people get pushed away because, because it's tiring, what does that person typically do? They double down, right? I I need to be more of a victim. Right. So but and 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 if you understand kind of that that piece, but it, but it's the same if you have power, right? Or if you have um, you're trying to get a response that you matter. You're trying to do it in your family. You're trying to do it all over. It's not good or bad, but it is just that that's the way we're, we're wired. We want to belong. We want to be loved. But it's really easy to divide society based on that because you can create short-term power. I could do it. You and I could do it right now. Um, and you say, you and I are like this. Those other people are like this, right? And, and, and people want to gravitate because they want to belong. Um, and, and throughout history, you can, you see people that use that short-term power. It always ends miserably. Hope, love is, is a bigger power, longer term. (laughs) Um, people who unite bigger power, longer term. I hope that's where we're going. Um, but, uh, but, but you can, you see what I just, you said, uh, see what I just said. You see it throughout, uh, throughout kind of throughout leadership and companies everything else when did you when did you learn to start um looking at things from first principles and how can you teach us to start looking at things from first principles what's what's the toolkit so there's there, there i look it up on, uh, online there's a bunch of uh i think ray dalio does a pretty good job in principles to to, uh, to do that but uh, but this goes back to the Stoics, this goes back to philosophers, um, and, and uh, there's there's a, it's called the five, Toyota's Five Whys, right? Why do you want that? Why, 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 why? To get to a deeper, what is the real reason behind the reason that you think it is? And so if you keep doing that, it, it takes practice. Um, it, it takes, uh, because, because our biases will want us to believe something else, right? And, and, and so, and we don't challenge those assumptions very, very, very often, but asking why and forcing yourself to ask those questions forces you to go a little deeper on this. And, and if you understand from first principles, right, build a house with, uh, uh, with, with, uh, different measuring all over the place, that house is going to be shaky, <laughs> right? If you, uh, um, if you build a strong foundation, you can you can build a great uh, a great house. The same thing on first principles. If your foundation is strong, and you're constantly questioning the foundation, you're able to see patterns that other people don't see. Wow. As far as entrepreneurs and everything else, the same thing. Same thing. If you understand those patterns, you still might be early, right? Um, and and people don't see it for a while. It's, Japan's a good example with monetary easing, right? Um, for 20 years, governments were saying that's going to blow up one day. It's going to blow up one day. Um, it's just what day, right? <laughs> so from first principles, they're right. 
um, but it still might take uh, take take a long, uh, long time. But I, but but thinking in first principles, um, avoid some of the traps that many people fall into. Um, in in especially today, especially today with we'll go this deep on news and then we'll go to the next piece on news and everything else. And we'll reinforce our own beliefs. Thinking first principles gets you out of that trap. It really does. And have you ever taken, I know I get on a bit of um, a rant on this sometimes, but I was, we were talking just before we started. um, We took our kids out of the educational system for almost three years to travel around the world with them and homeschool. Have you ever looked at that from first principles, like the education system, like the state education system? And you're nodding and smiling. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's get into that. <laughs> when you said that, I, all I, so this is before the clock, all I could think is what a beautiful gift for your children. And they probably learned more. And when they went back into school, they're probably, wait, we've learned this a long time ago. They probably learn more in two hours a day than they did in an, in an education system of eight hours a, a day. That's what was going through my mind bef- when we were talking before, before and now you're nodding. Um, and and uh, um, so all of these structures are going to change over time, right? All of the, uh, the, uh, these structures are going to change. But, but that's uh, an entrepreneur would look at what you d- did and, and say, wow awesome <laughs> right it, you you it's unorthodox you didn't follow the rules and your kids are going to be way uh, way better for it um they have experiences that many many people don't have and what's happening right now is again bringing back to covid we've got kids out of school all around the world um there's going to be even if there's a small percentage of those kids that just turn around and say i don't want to go back to that world um we've got as to your point earlier, families are being pushed into remote work, and they're not going to—they're going to see through the um, the veil of "I need to commute into a big city." What do you see the knock-on effect of that? Oh, is it, it, it's that's why I said it's actually just advancing the step to technology uh, faster. So everything in my book is, is it, everything is actually just accelerated because of COVID. The entire thing just uh, accelerates. What might have taken another five years just gets short, uh, shorter in, in time. Does that excite you or worry you more? Like that? <laughs> I am getting pulled into some very, I'd say, policy discussions in some of those globally. Um, I'm speaking to the House of Commons on Friday in Canada um, on, the, uh, on this very issue. Um, and it excites me that people are taking it seriously. Right? It excites me that uh, – um, with with an entrepreneurial lens, uh, then then if you're looking at these things, there is an opportunity to remake society in a really great way. That's great for everybody. It is, um, and that excites me. And 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 really, uh, I, I don't want to. By the way, I'm never running for office. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh, that would have been a massive scoop. We could have announced that on the One's Bitten podcast. <laughs> but it excites me. Real leaders um, with a hopeful message for go forward and a way to get there are going to emerge out of this, um, and they'll take this forward. That excite that uh, that excites me. Um, some of the some of the people that I've been that I've uh, got to know through some of the podcasts uh, um, it, are some of those leaders. 
right? So, so some really great people that think like this and, and, and are emerging right now as a result of bringing this con- uh, conversation forward. That, um, so that part excites me and it's needed. It's a requirement to get to the other side. Uh, the part that scares me is, uh, is, is not being ready for it in a disor- and, and staying on the status quo in a disorderly unwind on the way through. That's the part that, that scares the... Uh, if you think about how much money is needed to combat what we just talked about, it, like we're just talking about the tiny bits, like commercial real estate and everything else, do the knock-on effects of that. Most universities, may, they make their, most of their money from international students. They're, they're real estate companies, right? And, and they collapse without that, that international stu- uh, student demand. But, but an education can be taught as is. So it's not the university that makes it. It's the value that they teach that's valuable. And that can be ported online. And I'm not saying that the Zoom is the perfect uh, way, way, medium to do that. The people who think like that will design a better system but the cost to the existing system is staggering, right? The cost to the existing system and every industry is going through that exact same thing at the same time. To prop it up is going to trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars um, it, the, uh, if you try to prop, prop it up. And so that, trans, uh, that, transition, uh, that transition scares me. And this is why your book has touched um, so many Bitcoiners because they're, you know, this decentralization aspect that you're talking about, you know, education can be decentralized, work can go remote, that can all be decentralized. Companies can literally decentralize themselves. Uh, deflation, obviously, it's in, um, you know, that's built into the Bitcoin system. Network effects, you talk about those. Like reading the book, going through each chapter, you may as well, like, um, I've just put a little hashtag Bitcoin fixes this almost on every page. <laughs> that's, that's. So, so one, one, one thing I think that, that um, well, I agree with decentralization. In fact, the internet was a, a massive attempt to do that, right? Give power to everybody. Everybody has a voice. But what ends up happening, and, and so this comes in waves, right? So remember the first wave of the inter, uh, internet. Everybody believed um, that we're going to the giant monopolies that that uh, control today are going to reroll and we're going to create tons of small companies everywhere. Right. And what's happened. It's consolidated monopoly power faster, new ones, but massive monopoly power. So, and, and it's not because the technology is because human beings aren't designed to, to, to see that much choice. Right. And we need a filter for that choice. So, so, so that's one of the things about the decentralization that you, we have to be careful about when uh, in, in design. Um, it's natural to, to go to Google, and they do all. Nobody goes to page five hundred and seventy-two on Google, right? Even though all the choices there, <laughs> um, and uh, and that filter because we can't think like that. We can't. We don't have the time to go to every one of those sites. Is what creates uh, what, what creates centralization. Uh, what creates centralization afterwards. Yes, exactly. Right. I want to ask you about some of the companies that you're currently working with because you you obviously are in um, 
I mean, what we've been talking about is, you know, we're worried about the future and this unwinding, but I want to end on like an optimistic note. Um, you see technology from very, very close up and you're very, very tight with some of these companies. What's exciting you at the moment and um, what, what should we be looking out for? Um, so a, there's a company called Knock Knock in Southeast Asia that uh, that is setting records every single month right now that uh, that is it it does what I, I did in the first iteration of build direct the first company or one of the first technology companies I built but it does it in Southeast Asia and so it just it's it's fun to be around such a cool team that's uh, that's growing that fast I'm not operational in it I'm just on the on, on the board and help set up team and everything else but it's staggering the growth rate what they're doing um, and all powered by artificial intelligence. There's a company called Cubic Farms that I'm chairman of the board on, and it um, it brings uh, it localizes agriculture, it, it, vertical farming that uh, that outproduces now by ten to ten to up to ten times a farm, um, and it's effectively in a shipping container with rotating tra uh, uh, trays, so you reduce the cost of agriculture and you can localize agriculture. Um, uh, there's a company Terramera that 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 they uh, they've invented technology that effectively makes inputs ten times more effective, and the, the, so 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 you don't need to use pesticides at nearly the same rate. And, and uh, exciting uh, company Addy that uh, that that takes commercial it take, takes real estate. Um, and allows anybody to invest in real estate for as little as a dollar um, <laughs> by, by essentially democratizing re, re, uh, real estate. And they do it in a really unique way that, uh, that, um, that allows more people to participate in assets that they couldn't otherwise participate uh, in. Uh, yeah, anyways, there's countless others. I'm an advisor to robotics companies and, and artificial intelligence companies and, uh, and, and when you see, when you see, when you see the rate of some of these companies that they're moving and what's what's happening, it's really exciting. Yeah, I, I imagine you you must come out of these board meetings or walking around there, like if there's a factory or um, like a latest being shown the latest product, you're just thinking, "Wow, this is just going to change the world. This is going to be amazing." But at the same time, you're conflicted by by knowing that there's some kind of economic breakdown that is also going to happen. Yeah. So, so that's, you just summarized a perfect way why I had to write the book, right? Uh, uh, who else sees this and is connecting the dots to this thing? So you have technology people, a whole bunch of technology people that see this every day, right? And, and it's exciting, right? And, and I will say, even myself, the rate that things are moving, it's impossible to stay current, right? Um, and, and I have a broad picture of, of a whole bunch of things uh, moving, and but how fast they're moving, it, it, it's staggering. So if you're not in there, if you're not in that every, every day, if you don't see the advances of how fast artificial intelligence is moving every day, I'm friends with a bunch of the top researchers, and the next wave of where probabilistic programming takes deep learning algorithms to the next uh, next uh, level. Uh, um, and, and so if you don't see, if you don't see some of these connections, how could you connect it to 
what's and how fast that's moving how could you connect it to an existing system so i was in a I, maybe i'm the right person or one uh, to be able to see those connections because i've straddled that uh, that side and i cared about what the future of my for my kids look like yeah for sure and i think as well um there's there's many of many people in the bitcoin community that that see the financial unwind and that's why podcasts and books get written because they want to pass that knowledge on to those people that they know are going to be the most affected and um you know those are by the critically way affected. those are the people and thanks for having me on this too those are the people that i'm most aligned with uh, the, uh those people and there's some really great ones uh, uh the um uh, pomp preston John Vallis, uh, there, there's there's some people who really care about this and are doing everything <clears> that they can uh, they, uh, they can uh, uh, they can do to make people smarter, right? And doing it in a, I would say mostly in a in an even way, right? In a and here's the here's a thesis, here's here's why. Please look deeper, right? And <clears> so, uh, so, no, so there's some really great people um, in the community. And some great companies as well that are making it very, very accessible for for people that think um, they see the sticker price of Bitcoin and that puts them off immediately. They think, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to afford, afford a Bitcoin. But, you know, for example, in the US, um, there's Swan um, that have just launched and you can dollar cost average into it for like five bucks a week. And this is the kind of infrastructure that we need in place for for everyone, an all-inclusive economy. Yeah, the on-ramps and the off-ramps to it. Uh, that is one thing. When I would talk to my friends who who aren't into it, is uh, it, uh, there's a lot of people that are scared of it, right? And what is, uh, oh, to, isn't that the thing that gets hacked And because they're talking about wallets and everything else? And, and so a lot of what the Bitcoin community is doing is creating um, uh, 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 more knowledge around that. Some of the on-ramps, off-ramps, like you just mentioned, Need to be better to be able to uh, um, to uh, to bring more people more people to uh, to the community and make it less volatile over time as a, um, as, a, as a result. But that's happening. It's happening on a network effect, and uh, and you can you can kind of see the growth of it. I, could, I I think about from a and this this is going to play into a bunch of what Bitcoin uh, community would say. Um. If I owned the best company in Venezuela on the stock exchange, and then Venezuela went through 1.8 million percent in inflation rate, is my money worth worthwhile in that uh, uh, in that best company? And so, when you when you're when you're putting all your bets on top of a system that you know is going to fail, right? Um, it's pretty. It's I would say there's a high risk of that. Uh, and, and so Bitcoin becomes a hedge against um, against that. Now, there's this kind of saying in, in financial in financial markets: the way to make a lot of money is to concentrate risk, right? You but you could also go to zero, right? So so a way to make a lot of money is to go all in on Bitcoin, <laughs> and and but you also have to realize you could go to zero. The way to preserve wealth is to diversify, right? And to and 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 I it, with people with wealth, I I could not imagine right now not diversifying into Bitcoin. Cannot mm -hmm. it's, a, it's such a 
it's such a plain <laughs> bet to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and once you see it, it's you can't unsee it. It's it's incredible once 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 you just scratch the surface of it and start understanding. So Jeff, I don't sorry, I don't, I don't I don't know if I, I don't I don't see it. I, I see it as a reserve currency. I, uh, I, I don't know if I see it as uh, as much as, as uh, at least in current incarnation as a as a transaction medium. Um, maybe that it, maybe it gets there and everything else. But I see I see governments being forced to to adopt it as a reserve currency and 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 taking it to the stratosphere from there. Yeah, and there's a great article written by um, Phil Bonello on this, like the prisoner's dilemma for nation states, and. Yeah. yeah. So if you understand game theory, right, then, uh, then... Right. Again, in your book, yeah, another another aspect of Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what are the chances of us seeing Jeff Booth on the, uh, on the board of one of these um, new Bitcoin startups? Or are you already on one of them? Um, I'm not on, on the Bitcoin startups. And, and uh, yeah, that's not necessary. Uh, I'm not going to say no, but... Uh, but uh, <laughs> The amount of, uh, uh, I don't know how much bandwidth I have right now. I was asked to join a lot of boards last year, and uh, the number is truly staggering. Um, and uh, it's just, so it's a bandwidth issue. Must be very humbling when you get those invitations. It's it it is uh, when when you're uh, so I kind of have th uh, so it, even after these three filters, the company has to uh, has to have potential really great impact to humanity right i have to love the founders the founder the, pe the people I, i'm working and i have to believe i can make a real difference in, in in accelerating them if those but even with those three things you you're just overwhelmed with uh mm -hmm. become overwhelmed with uh with the different uh different requests and opportunity uh, and opportunities um so it's it is humbling it's just i i i can't believe what i get to do every day i cannot believe it so if you're still getting a lot of requests and your number two filter is you've got to love the people who love the founders um, before you even consider working with them that must mean there's a hell of a lot of good people out there building a hell of a lot of good stuff so that that's the point the, the the point is we get caught into these uh, there's unbelievable people like the people that uh, that and I have a network filled with like the most amazing people that you could ever imagine um, and it seems to get bigger and bigger and uh, and, uh, and, and bigger and that and, and so most people want to do the right thing most people inherently good. Um, and, and so what I, what, well, that's why I said love is a bigger co uh, connector. And if you understand kind of that hope, love and connect, uh, connect there um, and aggregate uh, kind of people in your life that hold you accountable, that are, that can, will tell you the tough things. Um, and as you will tell them, it's amazing what you can build. Um, it's amazing what you can build. Yeah. We had um, the same kind of experience when, when I left my, my previous career and we started traveling around the world, like one of the biggest takeaways from that, that whole experience was a complete renewed faith in humanity. Because when you're out there every day meeting completely new people and all they want to do is help you in some way or are interested by your story or want to connect or want to, their kids want to play with your kids or want to help their kids or share some food down to the most basic level. And it just, 
all of this fear that's been bred by um, mainstream media and um, narratives, it just melts away. It's um, it's. So I remember in uh, in it was ninety seven. I traveled uh, for about six months back. I just kind of checked out of work. So, uh, not that work wasn't going really well. I had a, a building company and a real estate company at the time, and I said, I'm just going to unplug and go uh, go away. The same thing happened. And and I remember one experience. I, I strapped a bag. I bought a guitar, and I strapped a bag uh, to the back of my backpack. I remember being invited into this home in Indonesia with a dirt floor and a, and, and a fireplace inside the, or not a fire, like a fire inside the house with those big pot. And we couldn't, I couldn't speak the language. They couldn't speak the language. And, and, and they were the poorest people I might've ever seen. And they were the happiest. Um, and they would have given me the shirt off their back if they had a shirt on their back. And we connected, I played songs and the kids were, all, it was, and, and I, I thought, what do we really need? Like, how much do we really need? Um, if you can, if you can kind of ha- have, uh, it, and so funny that you said that three years, what that did to you, when you see people like that all over the world, it's harder to, to, it, it, it changes you. And it's harder to say those people are like that. These people are like this. I'm like this. Those people are like this. You see, you, you see the goodness people all over the place. There's bad too, but it's a really small part, uh, smart of humanity. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, it's probably a really, really nice place to, to leave the interview, Jeff. Um, and uh, I really wanted to, uh, to point people towards your book. And where, where can people find you? Where, sh- where should they come and connect with you? Uh, probably Twitter is the best, uh, at Jeff Booth on, uh, on, on Twitter. Uh, it, my website is jeffreybooth.com, but it's just a, it's just a, play, a placeholder. You could contact me through email uh, there. It's just kind of overwhelmed on, on email. Um, and the book... It, Probably the best spot on the book is Amazon. Perfect. And any final thoughts? Actually, I I always ask the same question um, at the end of each podcast. Um, and it's directly, generally, because it's um, uh, very much Bitcoiny people that, that come on and talk. But uh, we'll we'll go for it anyway. If we could, if you could impart your knowledge, download your knowledge into anybody in the world about what we've just been talking about, um, deflation and Bitcoin pop possibly being. Um, a great asset for um, the less fortunate, shall we say, to, to start holding. Who would you want to give that knowledge to so that they could go and share it with their audience and why? Um, it would probably be somebody like Joe Rogan because of the, because of the following and it would, it would, it would take it into mainstream. It would be so, 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 Probably, uh, I'd probably say that because because you need to take you, you need to get this out of just the Bitcoin. Uh, this message isn't a, just a Bitcoin message; it's a humanity message, <laughs> and uh, absolutely, um, and it needs to be heard by uh, it needs to be heard by lots of people outside the community as well to bring hundred percent into the community. Yep, and it's it's amazing. He's one of the he's like literally the top pick. Right. So, Joe, one day, Joe, one day we'll get you. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts, Jeff? Anything uh, you'd like to leave the uh, the listeners with? No, this was really good, Daniel. This was really great. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for taking the time. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks. 
Hey guys, uh, thank you so much uh, for listening and I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode with with Jeff Booth and I hope you go and check out his book if you haven't already. It's called The Price of Tomorrow. Go and find that on Amazon. Really enjoyable interview for myself um, as, I mean, to be honest, they all are, but this one with Jeff, um, because he's not completely, you know, full on, 100% hardcore Bitcoin, but he sees it. For, for everything that um, it's going to become and understands it and, you know, wants it to be adopted by those people that, um, you know, that's why we're here, right? We're here to try and educate more people about Bitcoin and to get it into the hands and the minds of, of those people that are going to end up needing it the most. Because as Jeff explained, if we get to this this point of unwinding, when, not if, when we get to this point of economic unwinding and, you know, if, if you're sitting there and you, you have been investing in Bitcoin and you, you've seen it, you understand it, and that's all great. But, you know, is it going to bring you happiness or do we all need to be working a little bit harder on helping other people understand uh, what it is and what it could mean for them and their families and, um, and their future generations? So we don't have such a wide gap. Uh, between the uh, to to use the turn of phrase, you know the haves and the haves nots. Um, yeah, it's um yeah it's, it makes you it makes you stand back and think. And he has this unique view. He's built companies techno uh, techno uh, technological companies uh, in the past and um, sits on many boards. He sees what technology is going to bring for the good and maybe for the better and. For but possibly for the worst as well. So it's, uh, it's a unique position for him to be in, and I'm so glad he wrote the book. It's, uh, it's really uh, a great read. I, I urge you to go out uh, and check it out. Uh, thank you um, again, Jeff, for, uh, for spending the time. It's um, really, uh, yeah, a, a great pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, look forward to the next show.